You have a great agency with outstanding solutions for your clients, but are you knocking on the wrong door? And how might that impact your bottom line? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement designed specifically for educational institutions. If you have clients in that vertical, you know the healthcare deck has been stacked against them. Today, Captivated Health offers the stability, control, and savings they've been waiting for. For more information, go to www.captivatedhealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. How can you be the first to know about each week's podcast and get on the list for special listener-only content? It's simple. Go to shiftshapersonline.com and click the subscribe button. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're speaking with George Reese. George is president and CEO at Employee Navigator. And we're going to talk about a couple of new strategies to help you grow your practice. And as some of you may know, Employee Navigator has been a, a force in the Ben Admin space, but that space has changed an awful lot. And it's morphing into being a, a broader field of play, if you will. So with that, George, welcome. And I thought we'd start with thank you an overview of how that space has changed. And then we can talk about opportunities that that might present. Well, I think the beginning when this Ben Admin world was first introduced, it was really centralized management for large corporations who were looking to streamline the enrollment processes. And it was quite expensive at the time. And it's really evolved into a HR driven field where since the employee is already logged in to, you know, enroll in their benefits, the major changes that the HR is looking to accomplish other HR required tasks, such as onboarding and compliance services. And it's really stretched into recording and requesting paid time off, but it's kind of becoming the, the central hub for employers to to take care of some of their tasks, their menial tasks, maybe as you, as people might say, but also to require and record some of the compliance requirements, especially as a result of Obamacare. Now, so have Ben admin systems as we knew them at the beginning of Ben admin systems and what were broadly called HRIS systems, are those kind of melding? I think so. I think that the Ben admin as it was, that world was a very rules-driven world that many organizations use to they have very complex benefit plans. So a lot of the software was written. And I think that the software has started to mature a little bit that you don't need some of the setup and the expertise needed to set some of the systems up. And since since the system is already in, in place with a lot of the complex company rules, it's pretty easy to expand that into other realms. You know, the example I would give is that you might have a rule for a certain class of employees has a certain amount of life insurance, one time salary versus two time salary. And once you place that class and that rule into a place, it's easy to use that class or rule for the next piece, which might be that class may have a certain compliance requirement that they want to put a document in front of them, or they might have a certain paid time off 
differential. And so you're really kind of expanding the base, the foundation of information that was being used by Ben Admin firms to expand it to other areas of HR. So it's more flexible at the user-facing end, but it still requires a fairly robust set of benefit rules on the back end and business logic and business rules, doesn't it? Yes, I would agree. I think that the two most complex systems in the United States to manage or administer, maybe three would be payroll taxes, payroll itself, and benefits administration. A lot of the other HR pieces on top of that haven't really changed that much and aren't that don't require, I guess, that much dynamic software to be written to, you know, request a time off versus calculating a critical illness, stacked critical illness policy are, are quite different. Sure. We talked off air and I know that you kind of break down the things that are changing that part of the industry and advisors interaction with it into five kind of components. Let's, let's examine them one at a time. And the first is what you talk about as, as table stakes and, and our, our folks out at Zenefits maybe move the table a little bit. How does that play in? You know, the first one we call is deal breaker. And what I think the main piece of that is that five years ago, seven years ago, when we started the business, we had to convince insurance brokers that they should be starting to offer a benefit solution to their customers. It was a pretty difficult sell. But as you said, with Zenefits, it's become a deal breaker. And it's become a deal breaker in two places. One is if you're trying to get a new piece of business and you don't have a online HR and benefits platform, I think you're not going to get that business because another broker is going to show it. And really some of your larger cases, if you're a broker, you're going to lose those cases if you don't have an online enrollment system. And I think, David, the nice thing is that we used to have to convince people about that, but Zenefits has really taken care of the fact that everyone knows they need an online enrollment system. It's always interesting when a disruptor comes into the marketplace, what the residual of that disruption is. And so that's kind of the residual there is it, it is table stakes. You've got to have that in order to play. The, the second thing that you talked about is a one solution system. Yeah, I think the second piece is that if you've concluded that you're an agency that you need to have an online enrollment system, you can really only have one system. And what we mean by that is that it's not going to be efficient for an organization to administer or manage their customers on multiple different platforms. So we estimate that, you know, 90 to 98% of an of a broker's groups are going to select and be managed on one system. All of the agency's in-house people are going to be trained on that one system. And especially, and, and probably even more importantly, the salespeople will be able to set a constant or consistent client expectation for what they're selling to their customers if they're using one system. And, you know, frankly, at the end, efficiency dictates it. As always, especially in these days of commission compression and, and advisors trying to do more with less. Now, what about channel conflict? So the third one for us is channel conflict that we see really changing and impacting the market. And we break the channel conflict down into three areas. One of them is probably the most obvious, which is brokers do not want to be competing with ADP or paychecks who are public companies expanding their revenue by expanding the products and services that are offered. So, you know, a broker can't use those. They're, so they're off the table. The next one is a system owned by another broker. And, you know, I always give, I try and give comical examples on this one. Liaison was bought by Towers Watson. And I don't think the people at Aon are sitting in their boardroom going, we really need to use a Ben Admin firm. I think we should use liaison and let our competitors know about all of our customers. And then the last one, which is a little bit, 
harder to understand, but I think even is, is probably the most important, which is a channel conflict where the system is owned by an insurance carrier. And I think the, the reason that that one is so important is because it breaks down an open marketplace. And the example that I would use was B Swift is owned by Aetna. And I don't think that the people at United Healthcare are thinking that they want to put their business on there, but that's not the real problem, David. The real problem is, is that B-Swift is not going to do a tight data integration with another insurance carrier. They're going to put all their resources to their proprietary worksite products, their proprietary health insurance products. And those enrollments may go well from Aetna to Aetna. But if you step outside and wanted to use Delta Dental or Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield, I just don't think that the teams are going to be willing to do a tight data integration. And in the end, data is really the king here. You know, we think about all the, the information, David, that we hear about, you know, big data. And it's really transferring all the enrollment data to the insurance carrier. So I think that last piece of channel conflict is, is that if that system is owned by an insurance carrier, they're going to, it's going to break down that market dynamic. So to follow on on that, you're suggesting that if I'm an advisor and I'm evaluating systems that at the top of my list ought to be systems that are carrier agnostic? I agree. Yes. Does that, having that kind of a system prove challenging on the back end when you have a carrier agnostic system and you go to a carrier and say, okay, data feeds, let's start integrating. Yeah, they're, they're going to be putting all their resources into their fully integrated systems or whatever that they think is the most efficient product or best product for that carrier to sell. And I think, David, there's one other one that's been creeping on our list recently. And I think the recent acquisition of Universe by, I forget, did Aon buy Universe? I think Aon bought Universe, which is the enrollment firm. And what that means is that we've been starting to see some channel conflict with systems that are funded by a private equity firm or systems that are funded by some kind of venture equity. And what we're seeing is that th that actually opens up the door that when the private equity firm gets in control of that organization, that when that private equity firm wants to exit the investment, they really don't care who who the business is sold to, just as long as they get their return. So I think that that actually is coming into a fourth channel conflict as well. And now, a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single-source solution for your clients and prospects who are in the education vertical. The founders of Captivated Health have nearly 20 years' experience working with educational institutions, and over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems these clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing health care costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems, and it does so with virtually no disruption to faculty and staff while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to the educational clients you advise. To learn more about the Captivated Health solution, go to their website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on their logo on the Shift Shapers website. And now, back to our interview. Let's go back a half step because I, I want to explore this a little bit more. So I'm an advisor and I want a system that's carrier agnostic for all the reasons that you articulated. 
but I also have to deal with carriers. How do I balance those? What are those conversations like? How do you get from the carriers what you need if you're not using a carrier proprietary system? You know, I think most of the systems are, you're paying on a per employee per month basis. So as a result of that, you're going to see just higher implementation fees and systemic problems throughout the enrollment process. And unfortunately, the salespeople are, they want to sell a case. And so they're really not going to go into those details. And when the broker is discussing the potential customer with a benefit administration or HR firm, that they're going to gloss over those details of the benefits. And that's why I think it takes so long for these cases to get implemented. You'll have some cases that can get implemented in a few weeks, but others take months and months to implement. And it's a result of a disconnect between the sales side of the business and the actual administration side of the business. Do you see that changing over time as, you know, we've got an influx of employers looking at self-funded plans where the data now belongs It's always belonged to the case, but now clearly they're in control of that data. Do you see that changing at all? It seems like almost an untenable problem. I think it's going to change because when an agency needs to put their full book of business on a electronic platform, the data interaction between those parties has to be very efficient. And so the, the more business that gets on, the, the more of a broker's book of business that gets on a benefits platform is going to force the insurance carrier's hands to become more and more efficient. And we're starting to see that in the market that the carriers are starting to finally invest in some more modern technology. As you're aware, most of these carriers have very, very old systems that are cobbled together maybe from acquisition or bolted on products to make things a little bit more modern, but they are finally investing, which is a great sign that we've seen over the past six months in modernizing their data flows. Well, that's also happening on the on your side of, of the marketplace as well. I mean, not too long ago, there was a, and I won't name any names, but there was a preeminent Ben admin system that was built on an old 401k admin platform. And I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of ground up builds now of stuff that doesn't come from other older legacy systems. Are you seeing that industry wide? I think so. One of the biggest things that we've seen, though, is that there's this kind of West Coast version of doing software that they think that they can have an idea and they're just going to go ahead and build the software and they're going to change the industry. And I think Zenefits was probably a good example of that. And what is lacking from these organizations is some true benefit expertise. A lot of the firms, I think I would advise brokers to look at the management of their business, of the benefit administration system, and see what kind of expertise does someone have to direct the software architecture of a benefit administration firm. Since these things are so complex, often you have someone who has absolutely no benefits expertise They might have a lot of money, but in the end, if the broker's enrollment doesn't go smoothly, you know, that's probably the biggest sign that that we see out there. And, you know, David, I think the the biggest thing that we're seeing is there's just a lack of expertise. I think that there's a lot of people who just haven't even done an employee meeting. Frankly, there's a lot of business owners for software firms that don't know the difference between own occupation clauses uh, for a long-term disability policy, and that's going to impact the broker significantly in the end. No, that, that's great advice. So let's go back to the five thing list. Number four is low cost. Yeah, I think that if a broker is going to put their whole business, the majority of their book of business on a platform, it's got to be low cost. And, you know, two, three, four, five dollars per employee per month is 
just not going to cut it anymore. And I think we're going to see that same expansion into the carrier side as well. The 500-pound grill in the room is benefit focus, and benefit focus is very expensive for insurance carriers. So they might have, you know, that might fit into that example that you said of a, of a legacy software that is expensive. I, see, I think that we're going to see the cost come down from the broker side and from the insurance carrier side as well. As the software becomes more more table stakes, as you said, as it becomes more of a commodity, you have to have to play in the game. Correct. And that, that kind of brings, you know, is insurance a commodity? I know that the insurance carers, a lot of people don't want to think that insurance is a commodity, but frankly, life insurance is life insurance. When you're dead, you're dead. And people can fight over, you know, some of the minor clauses, but a good insurance company, which most of the ones out there are, are, are going to provide the death benefit. And likewise, on the software side, if it's a good software, it's going to, it's going to perform well. The last thing of the five things that you talk about a lot is control. Yeah, I think this was the one that really surprised us the most as we were growing our business was we thought it was all about cost. And in reality, it's the control. When a broker wants to set up a case and they have to go through a third party, they really have to do a lot of work to set up. There's a lot of back and forth to set it up. And what we found out is that the broker really should be in control of the, the branding. You know, a lot of the systems that are out there will promote their brand, but also the customer service. The broker has always sold based on providing exceptional customer service. And that's been a market differentiator and or providing other ancillary services like HR 401k support. And you need a delivery mechanism for all those pieces. So that last piece is that a broker wants to control their branding. They want to control their implementation timeframes. They want to control their customer service and they want to control the messaging of their business. So the last one, which a few agencies are just starting to grasp onto down the road is that they want to control their data itself. So they are starting to create some data warehouses to kind of do their own big data analysis of pieces. So as these systems that we used to think of just to use for open enrollment are now spreading their wings and getting more muscular and including more of what we would think of as traditional HR type features, if you're an advisor, is HR the door you go and knock on? If I was a broker, it would be 100% the door I would knock on. There is no question that the HR has kind of been ignored throughout the past few years or decades, and they are looking for the easy button. They are looking for the fastest way to do their job so that they can focus on core HR services, which is you know helping employees improve the margins of the business and, and really training. And so what we've seen, and I think that Zenefits is the perfect example of this, is that they gave away some pretty rudimentary tools for onboarding PTO and integrated payroll, which were really some rekeying operations. But the HR didn't care that they were manual operations in the backside. They were just looking for something to streamline their compliance and make their lives easier. And so we've seen brokers that are offering and going out the door with technology for HR. Oh, and by the way, we also do the insurance, but all the insurance rates are the same. And any broker who tells you that insurance rates are going to be that different from brokers are really growing their business. And we've even seen some of our customers taking large customers away from the national houses, which is pretty surprising to us. George, in the minute or so that we've got left, we always like to ask our subject matter experts what they see for the future. We've, we've done a good job, I think, of defining 
how this category has grown, what it's encompassing today. Where do you see it going? You know, I see a a single system that is integrated with payroll, HR, and benefits sharing a lot of data. And I think that the centerpiece of that is a modern real-time data exchange with some data elements and more of a batch exchange with others. You're not going to want a real-time enrollment with a carrier because employees change their mind. But I think that it's going to be an HR-driven system. I think that it's going to be a centralized system that a lot of, I, I think there's almost going to be an infrastructure and one system is going to win and manage over 50% of the customers in the United States. Interesting. And, and what do you suppose the time frame for that kind of a thing might be? You know, being in the industry, we always think it's going to be three to five years, but I would say five to seven years, you're going to see a lot of the businesses move. A lot of the brokers are going to move their their customers online. And as a result of that, I think that it's going to force the hand of the insurance carriers and the payroll firms to do better integrations. Fascinating. Fascinating. George Reese, president and CEO at Employee Navigator. George, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with the Shift Shapers audience. Yes, thank you. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Strategic Vision Publishing and David Saltzman. This podcast may not be reproduced in any form, in whole or in part, without the express written permission of the producers. All rights reserved.